morning. There is the story that I've once read about this woman who was on her deathbed. And as she was waiting for death to come upon her, she was someone who did not believe in the resurrection. People around her would speak about the resurrection, life after death, but she was someone who did not believe in it. So when she was gathered by her family just before she died, she told her family members that, I don't believe in this concept of life after death. And even if there is a resurrection, I do not want my grave to be opened. So this is what I want you to do. When I die and when you place my body into a casket, when you place me into the ground, I want you to cement the whole ground. Cement the ground so that even if there is a resurrection, well, my grave should not be opened. Well, as per her wish, when she died, she was placed into a casket, lowered into the ground, and it was completely cemented. By the way, this is not the picture. But it so happened that her grave was placed right under a tree. And a fruit of that tree fell onto the ground, right just next to her grave. Well, that fruit fell onto the ground and it slowly began to germinate. And as those seeds began to grow and the roots began to grow deep into the ground, well, there was no space enough for that plant. So it slowly started to crack open her tomb. Well, days became weeks and weeks became months and months became years. And that small seed became a huge plant. That plant became a huge tree. And as the roots began to grow deeper and deeper, the grave was finally cracked completely open. It was impossible for a cemented tomb to remain closed. And the message that I want to speak to each and every one of us, it is impossible to believe that death is the end of life. Death is not the end of life. It is only the beginning. Brothers and sisters, I want to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if there is a death, for sure I can tell you on the basis of God's holy word, there is also a resurrection. If there is a death, for sure there is also a resurrection. Now, some of the believers, if you look into your Bibles in 1 Corinthians 15, did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the concept of resurrection. Now, you must be sitting there and you must be listening and wondering and saying, What? You mean the born-again believers at the church at Corinth did not believe in the resurrection? Yes, they did not. Well, how do we know? What does the Bible say about the resurrection? And how do you and I understand that the believers at the church at Corinth did not believe in the concept of resurrection? Well, it's simple. It is the way in which the believers have been living their Christian life. They lived their life like as if there was absolutely nothing else to look forward to. They believed that when they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, they believed that that was the end to it all. There was absolutely nothing else to look forward to. All the pleasures of life, all of its enjoyment, all of the satisfaction starts on the earth and it ends on the earth. Now, let me give us uh, some examples of how the believers live their life in this world. For example, firstly, I want to talk to you about how the believers at the church at Corinth 
found fulfillment in material blessings. They found their fulfillment in material blessings. Now, could you just turn with me to chapter 4 and verses 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 8. Look at what Apostle Paul says. He says, already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich. It's like you have all become kings. You are all living such luxurious lives. You know, the believers at the church at Corinth were satisfied in living luxurious lives. They were satisfied in hoarding wealth. They were satisfied in finding pleasures in all of earthly things. You know, now while the Bible does not speak against wealth and prosperity... The word of God does encourage believers not to treat wealth, not to treat money or any of the earthly pleasures as the ultimate goal of any born again believer. Wealth, pleasures, satisfaction, this is not the ultimate goal of any born, the ultimate goal of any born again believer. This is not our fulfillment. You know, the Bible or Jesus himself very clearly, very sternly warns us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your, your heart will be. Well, there's nothing absolutely wrong with money. But if that is where our heart is, well, that is the problem. And that was how the believers were living. They found fulfillment in earthly blessings. Number two, the born-again believers were living as if there was no consequence to sin. Born-again believers at the church at at Corinth live like as if there was no consequence to their sin. Look into the Bible. Look at chapter 6 and verses 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9, the word of God says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do you not know that the kingdom of God does not belong to people who live wicked lives? You know, Paul here is talking about our future position in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also talks about our present practice, our present way of life. Our future position based on our present practice or our way of life. And the wicked people are those who continue to live wicked lives on the face of this earth. That is their practice. That is what they continue to do in the present. And because of which they will never enjoy a future position in eternity. That is the wicked people. They will never be part of the kingdom of God. But when Apostle Paul talks about this in chapter 6, he is saying, born again believers, you are no different. There is no difference between you and those who live wicked lives. You know why? Because the believers were also living wicked lives. That is evident throughout the book of 1 Corinthians. Isn't that true? I hope you remember when we studied chapter 5, there was somebody who had brought his, 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 his stepmother into the church and he was living an adulterous life with her like as if there was no consequence to it. But let's not just point the finger at him. Let's point the finger at the church. It was not just him not being aware of the consequence. Everybody else also treated like as if there was absolutely nothing wrong. The believers at Corinth did wicked things without any sense of remorse, without any sense of regret or the fear of the consequence of their 
sins. And as I was reading this, I want all of us to examine and ask ourselves, well, do I continue to live wicked lives in Calvary Bible Fellowship? Born again believers, let us remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never forget the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember his words. You remember in the gospel of Luke and chapter 12, Jesus talks about the parable of the rich fool. Remember the guy who wanted to break down the old barns, build up the new barns, fill it up, buy a stool, sit on his chair, lift up his legs and put it on that stool, drink his juice and and tell himself, well, I have all that I need for the rest of all eternity. Let me drink, let me eat and let me be merry. And in that parable, Jesus gives two important principles that ties together what we just heard right now. In the Gospel of Luke and chapter 12, number 1, in verse 15, Jesus says, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And the second thing he says in verse 21, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Well, that was the problem with the church at Corinth. They were all concerned about making money, living their lives. If they commit any sin, well, there's absolutely no problem with that. Why? Because you and I have nothing to look forward to. All that we are supposed to enjoy is supposed to be enjoyed here. Probably some of us might be living life without truly having anything to look forward to. Probably. Someone sitting here might be living life just for the moment. Studying, probably just to please our parents. Earning, just to make ends meet. In ministry, just so that I will let people know that I have something to do in my life. And I'm not simply sitting at home, that I'm occupied throughout the day. Just for the sake of it. Well, that was how the believers at the church at Corinth were living. And how many of us would find ourselves convicted of doing the same exact things in the basis of God's holy word. But then we are no different from the wicked people who will not inherit the kingdom of of God. You know, when we were born in this world, God blessed us with material possessions. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It is His blessing. We receive these temporary earthly possessions for what? For the sustenance of our lives. So that we can live, we can eat, we can clothe ourselves, we can be comfortable. But there is something far greater what the Lord has provided us with. And it is the responsibility of every member of Calvary Bible Fellowship. Of all of our guests who are here for the very first time. Of any of you who are seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been here for the last so many months, you've heard this message so many times. It is your responsibility, my dear friend. All of us brothers and sisters to hear the news, to fully receive it. And you know what is it? Far greater than material possessions that the Lord Jesus has given to us. He's given us the gospel. There is nothing far greater than the gospel. 
There is nothing far greater than the gospel. And my dear friends, brothers and sisters, can I say it like this? It doesn't matter how much money you and I have accommodate, uh, uh, accumulated. It doesn't matter what degree we get. It doesn't matter how many people I have preached the gospel to. If you and I do not respond to the gospel, everything that we do in this world will ultimately amount to nothing. And what is the gospel? What is the gospel that Apostle Paul so beautifully preaches in chapter 15? Can you just look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 to 4? For what I received, Apostle Paul says, please look in your Bibles, I passed on to you as of first importance. And what is that importance? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures according to the word of God. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, my dear friends, this is the gospel. There is nothing far greater than this. You know when Apostle Paul uses the term of first importance, he was talking about the heart of the gospel. He was talking about the true meaning of what it means to truly be saved. You know, the gospel in the word of God was fulfilled in and through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was not a fictional character. He was an actual human being who lived on the face of this earth. His life was also the fulfillment of all the prophecies that are mentioned in God's holy word. That's why it says he died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures. All of what was spoken about the Lord Jesus in the word was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. He fulfilled all the prophecies. And you know what that proves? It not only proves that the Bible is the only true word of God, but it also proves that Jesus is the Messiah, the only way for anyone to go to heaven. Can I just explain this verse and I request you to listen very carefully. Look at those those three beautiful aspects of the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Number one, it says that Christ died for our sins. You look at that verse. Christ died for our sins. Not for a select few. Our sins. Paul includes himself. Paul includes the whole world. And it's not just here. This is the theme that is found throughout the whole word of God. For example, if you turn to Romans chapter 3 and verses 9, we were reminded from Romans chapter 6 and verses 23. But in in Romans chapter 3 and verse 9, the word of God says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. One. If this verse does not include you, my dear friend, could you raise your hand? If this verse does not include you, could you raise your hand? Well, it includes every single person. We were born with the ability not to do anything good. Not to even seek God. And the end result of that is found in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 where it says that the wages of sin is... Louder, the wages of sin is, it is eternal separation from the presence of God. Jesus will willingly paid the price for our sin, my sin, your sin, the sin of the whole world. And he took our sin and he died on the cross of Calvary. Jesus' death on the cross was a surety that it 
is finished. The price has been paid. We were reminded from the book of Hebrews, there is no more the need for anyone else to die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, once and for all, the price has been paid. If anyone sitting here chooses to believe in the redemptive price of Jesus paid on the cross, you will be born again. You will be born again. Jesus died for our sins. Number two, the verse also says that Jesus was buried. Jesus was buried. When anyone dies, well, they would be buried. When life ceases, they will be placed in a tomb or a casket. And when they are placed into a tomb or a box or a casket, when life begins to cease, death and decay begins to take over and that body begins to perish. You know, in the Bible, it's interesting that the burial is symbolically represented or portrayed in the life of a born-again believer through baptism. That's the reason why we believe in baptism. Because when a person comes forward, when they are asked those questions, would you like to place your faith in the Lord Jesus? And when they say yes, the person holds him and the person puts him into the water. That's a sign of baptism. Burial with the Lord Jesus Christ. When the person goes in, he's telling the whole world that my body begins to decay to sin once and for all. And that is the sign that comes through baptism. In water baptism, immersion shows a burial with Christ, putting off the old and putting on the new. Now, so that none of us misunderstand, I don't mean that baptism is a requirement for salvation. No, you don't do baptism to gain salvation because you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You follow the Lord in the obedience of baptism. In Colossians chapter 2 and verses 12, it says, Having been baptized with Him. We are being baptized with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? Can I ask all of us a question? All of us, some of us have been baptized, some of us have witnessed witnessed baptism. When we go into the water, does the person hold that person under the water for more than five minutes? Yes or no? Has anybody here been held over five minutes? No. Well, that is not the end. Going into the water, being buried is only the beginning. Because once the person goes inside, the person comes out of the water. Just like how Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. What a beautiful, beautiful understanding that is for you and for me. In Colossians chapter 2 and verses 12, it says, Not only have we been buried with him in baptism, but we are raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. He raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, listen to me very carefully. If you have already placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have the assurance that your sins are completely forgiven. Can I encourage you to think about baptism? If any of you sitting here has yet not obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism, but you are sure that you are a forgiven sinner because of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, would you walk up to our elders, our deacons, anyone in our church, and would you tell them that you would be interested in taking baptism? Because baptism is the public testimony of your faith. Because years and years ago, one day when you were alone by yourself, you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably everybody was not aware of it. But now it is your time to stand and publicly tell the world that I live no longer to sin, but I live to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what is signified through 
through baptism. Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried according to the scripture. And on the third day, he rose again. The death of the Lord Jesus was different because Jesus rose again. On the third day, the tomb of the Lord Jesus is empty. You know, this is not just a scriptural reference. Even if you go to Jerusalem today, ask anybody where Jesus was born. And they will show you the, they will show you the little land where Jesus was born. Well, you have a little more time, go to the Sea of Galilee. Because that is the sea where the creator of the whole universe walked on water. Well, if you have a little more time, go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden, the one who created the entire universe was on his knees. His sweat became like blood when he understood the pain and the agony that was there before him at the cross. Well, if you have time to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, Go to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because on that tomb, there is an inscription that is found in the Gospels. There it very clearly says, He is not here, He has. The Lord Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. It's so beautiful, right? In the Gospel of John, chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus is speaking to Martha. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked Martha. Martha answered, yes Lord, I believe you are Christ, the son of God who was to come into the world. I believe that those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they die, they will rise again. What is your response to this great good news? The gospel, my dear friend. Would you like Martha be willing to believe in Jesus Christ, the son of the most holy God who came into this world? Would you like Martha respond to the gospel and say, yes, I'm willing to place my faith and my trust. Having fully understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my wretched sin. This is the gospel. And this is the gospel that Apostle Paul preaches to the church at Corinth. This is how he says, which is far greater of the first importance. Now look into your Bibles, 1 Corinthians. Now that we've understood chapter 15 and verses 3 and 4, let's look at verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. And on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. Now listen to me carefully. This gospel message has not changed. Throughout the years and throughout the centuries. The gospel message has never changed. But the gospel message continues to change the lives of those who hear and receive it. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ proves that the redemptive price paid by the Lord Jesus on the cross was accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a surety to the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in, in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, the Lord Jesus said, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. God accepted the price that was paid by the Lord Jesus. God freely forgives those who respond by faith to the provision made by Jesus on the cross. And Jesus credits his righteousness to us when we ask for his forgiveness. 
This is the truth on which you and I have taken our stand. Well, if you do not believe in this, you are living your life in vain. There is absolutely no point in you coming to church. There is absolutely no point in you being part of a family of God. There is absolutely no point in you listening to the word of God. If you have not believed in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the resurrection also declares that the price of my sin has been paid. And I no longer carry the burden of my sin anymore. There is absolutely nothing that holds me down. I can now live my life with purpose and meaning. Even though there are shortcomings in my life. Even though there is pain, sorrow and even though one day I might die. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ I will live again. Have you ever thought about your death? Is there anybody sitting here who is afraid of the day that you will die? Well it might happen one day right? Have we ever prepared ourselves for death? Couples, have we spoken to our spouse about death? Singles, I don't want to frighten you. But have you ever thought about it? Fathers and mothers, have you ever started talking to our children that death is a surety? And yet the life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that even though we die, we will, we will, we will rise again. Isn't it a beautiful message that we believe in a God whose tomb is empty? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 5 to 8. Verses 5 to 8. <clears throat> and that he appeared to Caiaphas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. You know, the gospel message does not change, but those who believe that Jesus rose from the dead, it gives them a new understanding to life after death. And when you have a new understanding of life after death, it becomes your assurance of your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look at this verse. Look at what the word of God says. The fact that Jesus was buried clearly shows that he completely died. It was not that he was paralyzed on the cross. It was not that for a brief moment he suffered and then they took him down. Only a dead man would be buried. If Jesus was buried, it means that he completely died. And if Jesus was seen by others, it very clearly proves the fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead. You look at the verses about who Jesus appeared to. It's interesting. You look at the groups of people that Jesus appeared to after he resurrected from the dead. There are some of those people who were with him from the beginning of his earthly life. Like James, his brother. Like his disciples. Like the 500 brothers and sisters. Like the apostles. They witnessed the earthly missionary journey of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there are those who were not with the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry, like the great Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul probably did not witness Jesus in the flesh, but of course Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And that was all that Apostle Paul needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and apostle paul apostle paul feels so unworthy because of the fact that he had persecuted the church of god he feels very unworthy about it i want us to read 1 corinthians chapter 15 and verses 9 to 11 can somebody read that verse for me verses 9 to 11 <coughs> You know the surety of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus gave all of these believers whether it was James whether it was the disciples whether it was the 500 brothers or sisters or the apostles or apostle Paul it gave them the confidence to go into the world and talk to others about their faith it gave them the confidence to talk about Jesus who rose from the dead why because their faith it did not rest on a god who only not, who just died but it rests on a god who rose again from the dead therefore when they went into this world they spoke about life after death they spoke about how there is hope beyond the grave they spoke about how christ victory over the grave is the only hope in this world for the depravity that humanity faces in the world today they spoke about it now look at those names that are there did these believers apostles disciples ever talk about the resurrection of the lord jesus oh they did it's evident from their writings in the word of god for example if you were to look at first peter chapter 1 and verses 3 the word of god says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new births into a living hope through what through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead Not only that apostle Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21 for since death came through a man can you say it with me resurrection of the dead also comes through a man Peter goes on to say in chapter 3 and verse 21 and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body but a pledge of a clear conscience towards God can you say it it saves you by the resurrection of the lord jesus christ church are you and i willing to talk to others about the resurrection of the lord jesus christ now on what occasion does the world around celebrate or talk about the resurrection of the lord jesus christ yalla easter and do you know that easter is right around the corner yes or no it's usually celebrated in the month of april well could we as a church as a family come together use the occasion of easter invite our friends and talk to them about life after death can we do that could you and i actually take that moment to share about the resurrected jesus and those who can have eternal life because of the lord jesus christ can we do that can we think about it could you arrange something in your hostel could you get your colleagues to come together could we who are in ministry use that opportunity to come together as a church as a family as individuals whatever it may be but use that occasion to talk to others about the resurrected lord jesus christ could we do that now probably some of us 
hesitate to do these things because some of us might be struggling in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and we are wondering how we can talk to somebody else about the change when we don't see that change in our own personal life. You get what I'm trying to say? Maybe some of us might be hesitating to go and talk to somebody else because what change would they see in my life and how can I talk to them about changing their life if they can't see it in our life? Well, if any of us are struggling this morning, can I encourage you to lean on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's what the later part of that verse actually says. To, to, to lean on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 10. It says, by the grace of God, we, Calvary Bible Fellowship, are who we are. And His grace to us, Calvary Bible Fellowship, was not without effect. So even if you are struggling in your walk with the Lord, lean on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 9 that when he prayed and asked the Lord to remove the thorn of the flesh, the Lord never removed the thorn, but he said his grace was given and his grace was truly sufficient. You know, to, gray, to, to, to lean on the grace of the Lord Jesus, it means to accept our faults. Knowing that we will never be completely turned away by the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that there is forgiveness and compassion at the foot of the cross. But I don't want us to forget the verse that we had read. It also means you and I are willing to work harder. Much more harder than anybody else. You look at what that verse says. Apostle Paul says, I work much harder than anybody else because of the grace that was given to me. You know, when he had his sufferings in the flesh, when the grace of the Lord was given to him, he said, even though I am weak, I will become stronger. And Apostle Paul says, I worked much more harder than anybody else. Yet it is not by my own strength, but by the grace of the Lord that was given to me. You know, Apostle Paul worked harder than any other apostle. He traveled further than any other apostle. He planted more churches. He wrote so many book, books, but it was with the understanding that it was not his potential, but it was the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus given to him that produced the results in his life. God's grace was with him and God's grace was sufficient. So just because you and I receive the grace of God doesn't mean we sit in our weakness and we say <laughs> the abundance of grace is all that I require. No, it is the ability to understand that grace and work hard. So students, can I encourage you to study hard? Study hard, but with a purpose. It's not just to get good marks. It's not just to make our parents happy when they compare us with that neighbor's kid who at every point in time gets a lot more than us. No, it's with a purpose. For those of us who are working, well, it's not just to meet our weekly targets. It's not just so that when our increment comes, we'll be happy saying that, well, I've done it. No, but it is to faithfully do our jobs. And those of us who are in ministry, to work hard means never to give up, never to feel lost, but to have a focused and a renewed commitment to his calling. For those of us who are in ministry, it is to understand that even though I might not be given attention to, even though nobody might notice what I do, it's fine. I am still required 
to give my best to work harder husbands shall we <clears throat> love our wives unconditionally wives would you be willing to submit oh, sorry i said husbands submit sorry husbands love our wives unconditionally and wives to willingly submit to the authority of our of of your husbands parents would you raise your children in the fear of the lord teach them that obedience is how they can work harder to become a daughter and a son that is pleasing to god cbf shall we prepare to talk to others about the resurrected lord jesus christ you know timothy keller said if jesus rose from the dead then you have to accept and believe everything that he said if he didn't raise from the dead then why worry about any of the things that he said the issue on which everything hangs on is not whether or not you like his teachings but whether or not he rose from the dead there is a, a famous song that we often sing and it's a beautiful reminder for us this morning in the light of what we heard from god's word if you know the lyrics please say please say it along with me the words of these songs says i i serve a risen savior he's in the world today i know that he is living whatever men may say i see his hand of mercy i hear his voice of cheer and just the time i need him he's always near he lives he lives christ jesus lives today he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lives he lives within my heart shall we pray we pray if i could encourage all of us to take the next few minutes to examine our own hearts there is anybody sitting here who would like to believe in the lord jesus all you need to do is to confess your sins and believe that jesus died for your sins and the word of god says you will be saved to those of us who accepted the lord jesus christ to those of us who believe in the resurrection of the lord jesus do we live our life with purpose with meaning and do we use every opportunity to talk to others about the coming of the lord jesus christ father god we thank you we praise you we honor we glorify your precious name we thank you for the emblems on the table that reminds us that christ not only died for our sins not only was buried for our sins according to the prophecies of the word of god but we thank and we praise you that you have risen on the third day thank you father that we who have placed our faith and our trust in you even though we die we know we will also rise again But Lord we confess that we struggle in our Christian life in our walk with you and therefore we ask you for an abundance of thy grace grace that we know is truly sufficient for us I want to pray for my dear friends who have not yet accepted you I pray that they would open their heart so that they would also receive this wonderful gospel that we preach that we teach and on which we take our stand Father if it is not resurrection we know that it is your coming that we will either resurrect from the dead or you will come back into this world and if you are to come back today what a joy what a joy for us to see you face to face 
to glance through the crowds of believers and to see the face of the one who died for a wretched sinner like me. Lord, if you choose to come today, it will be of immense joy to us. But Lord, if you choose to tarry for one more week, we pray we would live our lives on the basis of what we've heard from God's word today. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus Christ's most holy, precious name, we ask and we pray. Amen.